My intuition is telling me there'll be better days. I like this tone. Yeah. My intuition is telling me there'll be better days. I sit in silence and find whenever I meditate, my fears alleviate. My Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. It is a Monday edition of the show, and dreadful isn't the right word because there's still a long way to go this season. But a lot of Bucks fans are down bad right now because the Bucks are coming off a brutal 20 to 18 loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers where the Bucks were heavy favorites against uh the Steelers from the Steel City and because of that we spoke to Tom Bowles today and he was absolutely grilled but rightfully so we'll get into all of that today I'm your host Matt Matera we have two guests on today my fellow colleagues from pewterreport.com the face that runs the place the pewter report SR Scott Reynolds and Josh Capo my buddy that uh Jumps on for the, you know, the Peter Tailgate show the last half hour before we get it rocking and rolling. Josh was kind enough to join us today. So, gentlemen, 24 hours later, a little bit more than that, but 24 hours later, Scott, how are we feeling after witnessing the debacle that was the Bucks uh, faltering to the Pittsburgh Steelers? Same, Matt. Get rid of Byron Lefwich and Luke Gedeke. Yeah, that's pretty much it. All right, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't have any confidence that this offense is going to get much better. I really don't. I mean, until uh, if and if and when Ryan Jensen comes back, then I think the offensive line improves a little bit. Um, I, I think right now, Luke Gedeke's trial by fire is burning him. And and I understand the, the logic out there in that he's not going to get better standing on the sidelines. He's got to get some playing time. He's been through the ringer for six weeks, and and he's it's not all bad, but when it is bad, it's it's painful because it's happening. He's giving up sacks on third downs. He's getting submarined, right? Low man wins. I mean, on the third and one, uh, the quarterback sneak. You saw Cam Hayward, old man Cam Hayward, you know, thirty three years old, you know, like diving under the rookie and and stopping that that quarterback sneak, which I know Buccaneer fans have been calling for. You know, why isn't Brady running the quarterback sneak? Well, I'll tell you why. He's 45 years old. He's got uh, an injured ring finger. That's that's his throwing hand. He's got an injured shoulder. And the three guys that he was so successful in running behind in terms of those quarterback sneaks, you got a six foot six, 325-pound right guard Alex Kappa. You had a Pro Bowl center Ryan Jensen, who's about 15, 20 pounds heavier than, than Robert Hainsey. And then you've got uh, a Pro Bowl left guard in Ali Marpet, who was strong, physical, agile in, in uh, at that left guard spot. And so now you've got Shaq Mason, who's maybe 6'1", 305, 3'10". You've got Robert Hainsey, and then you've got Luke Gedeke. And, and I don't blame Byron Lefwich and Todd uh, Tom Brady for not wanting to run the quarterback sneak because I don't like any of those options. They tried to run it. They got stuffed. So uh, I, I don't know. I just, I, just, I just think at this point in time, Gedeke is, is probably um, probably not going to get much better in terms of his, of his consistency, in terms of his confidence. I think he's been through the ringer. I'd like to see Brandon Walton in there or, or, or Nick Leverett and just to see if there is a difference. And if there's not, go back to Gedeke, but give him a week off. Let's see what happens. You, you don't blame Byron Leftwich for not running the QB sneaks. You just blame him for everything else, right? Oh, no, I blame him for running the, <laughs> the quarterback sneak. Yeah, it wasn't going to work. But what I'm thinking is I wasn't one of those people calling for it. Right, because, I know. Because I saw the, the options he had, you know, Tom had to run uh, behind, and I don't blame Tom for saying. I'm oh, no, I, get it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah. on, I'm on a very similar plane to you, Scott. Yeah. It, I will try to be the optimist here when it comes to Gedeke. Um, as you mentioned, it has been trial by fire. However, the next four out of five weeks put him up against much more pedestrian interior rushes. That's so going to be a, is- that's going to be a test, Josh. If if he performs better, not going up against a Cam Hayward, a, a right. Grady Jarrett, a Chris Jones, right? Uh, you know, a, a you know, even the guys he faced earlier in the year. I mean, Kenny Clark with Green Bay uh, and and Iggy. Uh, or Osa uh, Adigizua uh, right. for the, the Cowboys, easy for me to say. 
<laughs> pretty decent. He's turned into a pretty decent tackle. So he's had uh, he's had a, a stretch here of of some really really good defensive tackles he's gone against. And but the problem is is the plays he's given up have been critical plays, third yeah. down plays, in the red zone plays, third and short plays. So it's not even like like when he's losing. It's it's a first down play, and they can recover from that. These are oh, he's critical. On those too. <laughs> yes, but but when he's losing, it's magnified because it's taking away four points. Right when you're when you're down there inside the ten yard line, and he gives up a sack. Now all of a sudden, it's a field goal rather than a touchdown, and it's just it's it's big. And and I just want to see if if Brandon Walton or Nick Leverett could be better. Right now, I, I'm I'm not. One of the offensive line coaches, but I'm just saying I I'd like to see, you know, I, th- I thought Brandon Walton, you know, played okay at guard in camp. They actually put him out there at tackle for the Saints game, and and I didn't think he played that bad. So right. I I don't know. I I'd like to see Brandon Walton get a shot, and we'll see what happens. But uh, the yeah. coaches know better than I. Yeah, I, like I said, I'm on the same plane with you in terms of like, for me with Gedeke I didn't expect him to play average. You know, I, I did expect him to be below average, but the hope was that you would see progress week over week over week, even playing against yeah. this extremely impressive run of defensive tackles. And I keep thinking to myself, there's been this narrative in, in the NFL recently of there just aren't a lot of good interior defensive tackles. Luke Gedeke would probably argue the other side of that right now because yeah. he seems to have found every single one of them. The NFL schedule makers seem to be out to get him this year. Um, but for me, like there just hasn't been, you haven't seen one part of his game where you can say, okay, th- there's improvement week over week. Like his anchor isn't improving. His strike timing isn't improving. His hand placement isn't improving. He's just He's not reducing the amount of lean. All of it's just as bad week over week, if not worse. Um, like I said, the one saving grace is that I want to say over the next four to five weeks, it gets a little bit easier. Uh, with the Panthers, you have Derek Brown, who for the majority of his career thus far has been more name than substance, although he's having a fantastic year this year. Yeah. Of course, he would with the get a key coming up. Um, so, But with the lack of progress, I'm in the same camp as you in terms of I'd like to see like Brandon Walton or Nick Leverett get get some reps there. Yeah. Um, so and then I absolutely I'm with you on the Byron Left, which like it's bad. It, and it's very similar to, to kind of what you just said in terms of Gedeke. It it's at its worst in the most critical times. Yeah. Like I know a lot of people say third down's your most critical down. I'm very much don't put yourself in a bad situation in third down by winning first and second. They're constantly losing first down. And yep. then when they got into the red zone, the the play calling was just how you can be first and goal and not run any type of plays to try and take advantage of a lack of communication in the Pittsburgh secondary is beyond me. There was no rub routes. There was no whip routes. There was nothing. Screw to... it. Just throw the fade to Mike Evans. That seems to work pretty well. But yeah. I mean, it was just, it was like straight hitches. Like everybody just run five yards up, turn around, and Brady's going to hit you. There was nothing that forced the defense to really communicate with each other. It was just, it was very, un- I use this word a lot on our podcast, and I don't know why, because I don't use it very much in my regular life, but it was uninspiring. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the other thing too, I mean, when, when I went back and looked at some of the play calls, I haven't seen the all 22 yet, but a couple of those those calls that really were baffling to me was, was on the second and goal from the what was about the one foot line. Mm-hmm. Why Byron Leftwich decided to pull the play side guard, which was Luke Gedeke. Right. Right. And and if you're gonna pull a guard around the goal line, make it the backside guard, where like if you're fine pulling Shaq Mason from right to left, right, and and getting numbers on the left side of the line. But why you're pulling the play side guard who's a rookie and Luke Gedeke and you're asking your your starting center who is in his sixth NFL start to cut block there right. uh, and he was he had to cut block Larry Ogunjobi who basically just hurled him or jumped over him when when he wasn't able to get the cut block up you know thrown properly it just creates a massive hole if it's not executed perfectly it creates a massive hole in my opinion 
you're much better served instead of pulling guys and, and trying to create holes, get a hat on the hat all the way across the board, turn around and hand the ball off to Leonard Fournette and say, Leonard, you have one second, you know, and, and we all know Leonard doesn't have the best vision. Like we get that, but, but I would trust Leonard to instinctively say, Hey, we've got one foot to get, and we're going to, to go and, and find the guy that has one foot that he can push a guy into the end zone mm-hmm. and score. And, and in my opinion, I, I just don't understand why they just didn't go straight ahead into the line of scrimmage with a big 240-pound back and just burrow in there and get one foot. We're, we're, trying, not talking, we're not talking two yards. We're talking one foot. Right. They're trying to get fancy all of a sudden when it was like absolutely unnecessary and uncalled for. Because you know what? Yeah. They struggled the whole game in the red zone. So you don't try to get cute once you're finally down there. So I don't know why they decide to get all fancy with that. And to go back to Gedeke real quick, what happened to that glass eater nickname and that mentality that he brought coming in here? What happened to the guy that was getting chippy at some of the training camp practices and the joint practices. I don't know if it's because like now he's had his welcome to the NFL moment, but I almost want to see him get in a brawl next week. You know, it, well, like, show I, a little I, bit. Of I think attitude. it's a confidence issue. I, I think, yeah, you know, I think he's, lost he, he's getting whipped. He knows it and he's hanging on. I mean, he's trading water. He's not swimming. He may not be drowning like every single snap out there, but the, the guy is treading water. He's, he's getting beaten with speed. He's getting beaten with power. Uh, the, the the timing of his hand placement is off. I, I I literally don't think he's that great of an athlete. If you go back and look, he didn't do any combine testing. There's no pro day testing outside of bench press. Mm-hmm. I don't know how athletic he is. I know that, that some of the internet scouts have looked at his tape and said, you know, he's he's athletic. Okay, maybe he's an athletic right tackle in the MAC, but <sighs> I I don't see. I'll push back I, I, on I that. Don't, I don't bit. see the athleticism. He's certainly not Ali Marpet. He's certainly not uh, uh, Shaq Mason. And is he on par with Alex Kappa? I don't know. Kappa was a pretty athletic left tackle at Humboldt State, which is why he got invited to the Senior Bowl, which is why he got drafted in the third round. So I, I don't know. It's yeah, certainly I'll, not showing up. That that's what I'm saying. I, I'll say you see the athleticism when he does pull, and you'll see it when he gets to the second level. He can move like it's there. He's not ready. And that's why like, like coming out, like I saw him as more of a fourth rounder, a guy who is going to need some development. You don't start him right away. He needs to develop. He needs to learn the position. He needs to develop a little bit more athletically, but I think that the traits were there and are there. Um, He's just, he's been thrown into the fire a little too quickly. The other one in terms of the goal line, just kind of going back to that um, when they had first and goal at the four, a little bit later in the, the game, they ran, they, they set up, it was one of the rare times where they showed they were going to run and they actually passed out of it. Yeah. But I don't right. know if the entire team knew it. No. Like, I've watched that play four or five times. It was a I play don't know action. what's happening on that. Yeah, it was play action, and Lenny doesn't really get to the flat. None right. of the tight ends move off their blocks, and they end up right. with an illegal man downfield. Yeah, it's Tristan like, Werfs. Not even, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Right tackle Tristan Werfs. He's so like in the end zone. Like it's almost like it was supposed to be a run player. At least the entire team, except Brady thought it was, and he yeah. just pulled the ball back and then he's looking for somebody and everybody's like, what do we do? Yeah. So I just, just some of that, the uninspired play and yes, absolutely get a key. Like these are the two major issues. And, and I'm just going to throw this out there because I've seen it all over Twitter and I've been attacked about it on Twitter. It's not Brady. Brady is not the issue. He is, so far down the list of issues yeah. on this offense, it's ridiculous. Here's the scary thing to me. We all kind of agree that this is going to be Tom Brady's last year in in Tampa for sure. Yeah. I mean, why he's would gonna he go to San Fran? Why would he come back to this? Right. I'm just I, saying. Yeah. So here's the thing. It's bad right now. And I and and I hope to God there's a different play caller next year. There will be a different quarterback. I hope that they they clean house with some of these receivers and add somebody that can actually make a play with the ball in their hands. Russell Gage is not it. Jalen Darden is not it. Scotty Miller is not it. Brashad Perriman is not it. Get some. Get another receiver. This is a wide receiver-driven offense, so you need to get another receiver that can make some plays. Mike and Chris, they're not going to play all 17 games every season. They, they 
just won't. They get banged up. But this is with Tom Brady. They're averaging 20 points per game with Tom Brady. If they did not have Tom Brady, if they had Blaine Gabbard, right, he of cutting off the mullet, which honestly I'm going to suggest that maybe that's part of the malaise on offense, the fact that Blaine doesn't have his mullet. Uh, I'm not saying that's the reason why, but I'm not ruling it out. But Kyle Trask, Tom Brady, if they're the quarterback, how many points are these are these Buccaneers scoring? 14? 13? Think about it. You got you got you got Chris Godwin, you got Mike Evans, you got Leonard Fournette, who's an you know average to above average running back. Um, is is the cupboard full? No, but the cupboard isn't bare. There's a lot of teams that would like to have two 1,000 yard wide receivers. Okay. And you got Tom Brady. And I know that the offensive line is key. Brady's got to be upright to throw the ball. I, I get all that. But my God, man, like if you can't put up 23, 24, 26 points per game right now, it has to be the play calling, in my opinion. And I, and I know that there's a screw up here and a screw up there. And that's one thing Bull said today was it's literally one, one player screwing up in every play. And I, and I get that. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, at the end of the day, that has to fall on the shoulders of the offensive coordinator. That's your job to coordinate the offense. And that means uh, get the right players in the right position to make the right plays at the right time with the right play call. And it's not happening. And it it just feels like, too, you know, even like Mike Evans wasn't a factor in yesterday's game, despite the fact that he he had four receptions. Like he didn't really have his imprint on the game, but even when he was making a catch or Chris Godwin was making a catch or Leonard Fournette, all these guys, like there's always a defender right on them. Yeah. We will get to roll call momentarily, (laughs) but there always is like a defender right on. No one's ever like, you know, having three or four yards of separation. I know Mike Evans can get it and I know Chris Godwin can get it. So it comes down to, the play calling, the schemes, also the fact that the offensive line can't block for more than four seconds. So Brady just dumps it off like right away because he's, you know, he doesn't want to get hit and yeah. I don't blame him, but in all these other offenses that the Bucks play against, we see guys, whether they're beating a zone, whether it's a, it's a good play call, we see guys open making catches with defenders a couple of yards away from them. But for the Bucks. Mike Evans, the defender's right on him like glue, like white on rice, right. whatever you want to say. There's no it's it's like it's all they had they say like you gotta fight for every yard. The Bucks really are, they're not yeah. making it easy. There's nothing easy yeah. at all. There's nothing easy with to your own. point, Matt. The K Dotton catch, great throw, phenomenal throw, great yep. catch, but like it, the, the defender was draped all over him. Chris yeah. Godwin, great, you know. Josh, you even tweeted that out. It was yep. in the your your uh, Brady story. Right, I mean, fantastic throw by Brady through Chris Godwin. He's essentially double covered. Okay, so there's no yeah. yard after catch. So it, it's it's a problem. There, there's nothing really designed or executed that gets these guys on the move with the ball in their hands. Yeah, their only yak stuff is tunnel screens or 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 that's really about it. Yeah, it yeah, just that's it. Yeah. At screen, wide receiver screens are the only things that they've got in the offense right now designed to do that. And they've got to find some ways to to get some easier catches. Yeah. Um, I had a theory. I know you said it's Blaine Gabbert's cutting yeah. off his hair. My theory is that maybe it's their hydration methods. And I think Matt may know a good way for them to hydrate in order right, to succeed. Well done, Josh. Well done. <laughs> if you're going to hydrate with anything, say, you you know, you got a big workout coming up or, you know, maybe you're just busy or trying to get back in shape like myself. You best be drinking a Celsius energy drink, which, of course, is the presenting sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. So many different flavors, which are absolutely awesome. As you see, the Arctic vibe, tropical vibe, peach vibe right there. The vibes are always very high on this show, even if the Bucks play like they did on Sunday. Uh, also, a lot of gr- other great flavors, the, you know, the cola, the orange, the uh, peach mango, the watermelon. So ton of great flavors there. Seven essential vitamins. It's the healthy version of an energy drink, and it gives you that essential energy to get through your day. Uh, go to the Celsius store locator on their website. Find out where you can get a Celsius near you. I'm lucky enough. I can go right across the street and get one right now if I wanted to, but I'm doing this podcast. I'm very happy to be doing this podcast, maybe after the show. Anyway, I digress. Go to that store locator. 
Find out where you can get one at your local, you know, Walmart, gas station, Target, convenience store, bodega. Yeah, that's right. Or if you want it sent right to your house or apartment, that's cool, too. You could save some money on Amazon. I would recommend getting the variety pack because variety is the spice of life, of course. And uh, have it set to your place of residence every two weeks, three weeks, whatever you want. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius energy drinks. That is Celsius. Hashtag live fit. I also think it's right about that time that we get into yep. roll call. Uh, I'm happy to go on a rant if we want to. We want to Let's talk a little it, bit Matt. about, uh, you know, the Tom Brady, the whole wedding fiasco. That's Let's talk like, about that, Matt. Well done. Roll call. Where are you at, pewter people? So as Matt goes on this rant that I know Josh and I can't wait to hear, uh, I'm going to be putting up your locations. So if you're watching or listening to the show from the state of Florida, uh, if you're at, watching or listening from America or outside of America, we want to hear from you guys. So here we go. Atlanta. Okay. Okay. So obviously there's been a lot of different storylines all over the place uh, with the box. And a lot of them are centered around Tom Brady for better or for worse. You know, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. So anything that he does uh, is going to, you know, end up becoming news. Obviously, the big story was on Friday. He went to Robert Kraft, the owner of the uh, New England Patriots. He went to Robert Kraft's surprise wedding on Friday, which I don't understand. Like, what what is a surprise wedding? Is he like, hey, honey, uh, we're getting married today? Like, just so you know, surprise. I didn't understand that, too. If you're a football owner, why are you getting married in football season? I get it was a Friday and there's no games, but I thought that was a bit odd. Anyway, so... Brady it might be goes, a thing where Robert Kraft's not going to live long. <laughs> so yeah, yeah he's, I guess. Yeah, maybe he's looking at this like, uh, you know, I may not make it to January or, or February. Yeah, I guess there could be a point to that. But anyway, so Brady, who, by the way, practiced all week. I know Wednesday is his, uh, you know, dedicated off day. He's been practicing on Wednesdays. He practiced all week. He was at practice on Friday. Then he goes to the, you know, the wedding on Friday night. Uh, wasn't there for walkthroughs on Saturday, but was with the team later on Saturday in Pittsburgh before the game on Sunday. And a lot of people are pointing to Tom Brady being at that wedding and saying, like, that's the reason why the Bucks lost. No, 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 no. The terrible play calling is why yeah. the Bucs lost. The inefficiency in the red zone by everyone, not just Tom Brady, is why the Bucs lost. Yeah. The defense being unable to get stops on third and 14, third and 15, third and 16, and third and 11 is the reason why they lost. I understand it's Tom Brady and he's a very polarizing guy. I really don't want to hear, oh, like he's not all in. He's literally leaving his marriage to continue to play football. So I understand, sure, there's the drama that he left the team for 11 days. Now he's going to this wedding. Whatever happened to... You know, let the guy have a little bit of a personal life. Unless Tom Brady got blackout drunk at the Robert Kraft <laughs> wedding and was so hungover for the next two days and, and on and, avocado and, tequila. Uh, and it yeah, on avocado tequila. And it affected his play on Sunday. I don't think that the fact that Tom Brady was at a wedding on Friday night is a huge, huge reason why the Bucs lost. I was at practice on Friday. Tom Brady was there. He yeah. was hopping and skipping and getting ready to go, probably because he's going to a wedding later. But I just I don't look at what that the optics of Brady going to a wedding of someone that he has a great relationship with, seeing old teammates. I don't see that as being like the end of the world, huge reason why the Bucs lost that game. I understand why it's, you know, tabloid and gossip comes, but the Bucs have a lot more problems than Tom Brady not being at a walkthrough on a Saturday. Yeah, so, I, I agree. Josh, do you do you agree with Matt's premise? You know, I don't know, Scott. Do you remember back in June when my writing fell off a little bit? I wasn't putting in as many stories. The quality of the content was was not so great. I attended a wedding as oh, well. That's why. So I go. think that we're starting to see a trend here that if you yeah. go to a wedding or have any type of personal life whatsoever, yeah, that's the reason. your professional life falls to shambles. Yeah. You know? Right. Like, what yep. if you went to dinner versus going to a wedding? Well, oh, well, he was out Friday night at dinner, but right. oh, he's taking a picture at a wedding. It's the same freaking thing. 
I know a lot of people will immediately point to, well, I don't believe in this, but it's just another indicator of a high level of play that the pro football focus grades came out and Brady was the third highest graded player on offense. Yeah. Like, yeah. He was not the issue. Like, yeah. he, he wasn't perfect. Yet. I mean, yeah. you know, he, he wasn't yeah. perfect, but he I needs mean, to be better. But to say yeah. that they lost the game because of Tom Brady and Tom Brady only is just silly. Totally yeah, agree. Just um, Warwell55, thanks for the super chat. We appreciate uh, that. Uh, thanks, Scott, for asking Todd pointed questions. I try to try not to do the softball thing, but today we really needed to get drilled down no. on a couple things, and we did. Yeah. The, Todd Bowles absolutely got grilled today, but. As we said earlier, like he absolutely should have because this team, again, should be way better than three and three right now. They look more like a two and four football team. And you know what? When you don't win there, you have to answer these questions. So, yeah. you know, uh, I, I wouldn't say that Bulls went through the ringer, but he was definitely. Yeah. We, we have a couple of bowl slips. Here's one yes. five dollar super chat from Leo. Then let's, let's play some of those slips, Matt. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, why you guys are gloom and doom on three and three? Have you seen the NFL this season? Bucks didn't get the <laughs> NFC East schedule. We got a tough schedule. That's that's true. I, I I will say this: if you look at the three games, these were the three winnable games, right? Atlanta, Pittsburgh, and then Carolina. And if you had to lose one of them, this would be the game that you'd want to lose because it's the mm -hmm. AFC opponents. It's not a divisional opponent like Atlanta or Carolina. It's not even an NFC opponent like Dallas in Week One. So. I'm not saying that to forgive the loss. I'm just saying accept it for what it is, a bad loss to an AFC team. And it's not as potent or deadly as losing to Atlanta or Carolina. Matter of fact, if the Buccaneers do win on Sunday, and by God, for y'all's sake, I hope they do, they'll, they'll be 3-0 in the division. And the pathway to the playoffs, uh, as, as we've seen, can be winning the division. The Buccaneers can actually do that. They're allowed to win the NFC South. They did that last year. The Saints are, are no longer the exclusive occupant of the <clears throat> NFC South throne. And the Buccaneers are the current NFC South Kings. And if they go 3-0 and with a win at Carolina, they're going to be in the driver's seat. And I'll tell you what, it might come down to that season finale at Atlanta. That might be one hell of a game. Because the Falcons surprised everybody with the win over the 49ers yesterday. Undefeated against the spread. Yeah, so. but the NFC is a little wide open, much more wide open than the AFC is. I think the AFC has got the better teams. But you've got teams like the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Vikings. Those are some pretty good teams. And a lot of teams that people, NFL prognosticators, thought would be kind of leading the pack, Tampa Bay, Green Bay, the L.A. Rams, defending Super Bowl champs, are struggling right now. So it's a long season, a lot of football ahead. Press the panic button next week if they lose in Carolina. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Let's get to some yeah, – yeah. Especially, I mean, Carolina, they just traded Robbie Anderson, who, like, kind of pulled an Antonio Brown. Not exactly the same because he kept his uniform on. But uh, yeah. obviously that's a big thing. Let's get to some of the videos from Todd Bowles. Uh, this first yeah. one is a question from – uh, who is this? Scott Reynolds of PewterReport.com. Uh, asked Todd. You? That might be me. Yeah. yeah. Might be. Uh, asked uh, Todd if he was satisfied, happy, dissatisfied with uh, the play calling of offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich. When you're getting on the offensive side of the ball from Byron Leftwich. I'm dissatisfied with a lot of things. You know, winning is number one. It's not about the play calling. It's all inclusive. You know, players have to execute what the coaches call, and coaches have to make sure that the player's in the right position to call them. So we don't throw blame anywhere. It's all inclusive. It's offense, defense, and special teams when we have a bad game. So it's not even about play calling. It's just about team. Said there, um, for those that maybe missed it, uh, he said, I'm dissatisfied with a lot of things. Winning is number one. It's not about the play calling. It's all inclusive. So putting the blame on everyone. Uh, players have to execute what the coaches call, and coaches have to make sure that players are in the right decision position to call it. Uh, we don't throw blame anywhere. It's all inclusive. It's offense, defense, special teams when we have a bad game. It's not even about play calling. It's just about the team. So kind of deflecting there from Byron Leftwich, but he had a couple of different answers where he kind of like brought it back on the coaches. So 
It was almost like similar to the Fantasyland thing yesterday when he brought mm-hmm. the Fantasyland up on his own accord and yeah. then later was like, ah, it's just a comment I'm talking about in generalities. I, I thought it was really interesting the order with when with which he spoke when answering your question, Scott. Yeah. So he said it. the players have to execute. And then he goes, the coaches have to put them in the best position to do so. Yeah. When you when you put together a game plan, it's it's in the inverse, right? Yeah. The coaches have to put them in the best position to execute, and then right. they have to execute. And yeah. I just thought that was so. I don't know if it was conscious. Well, you're, you're well. You're right because it, the old coaching phrase is is alignment and assignment, right? You got to you got to line up in the correct alignment, right? And then you got to execute the assignment. So you, that's great, great uh, observation there by you, Josh. Bowles uh, was asked a couple of times as well about uh, switching Luke Gedeke making changes to the offensive line. So he kind of answered like a similar questions. So we'll, we'll play both of those right now. Lack of throwing the ball down the field, much whatever it is, protection. I mean, is, is there any consideration to whether it's Luke Gedeke or, or changing anybody in there? Well, we got the guys we got and we're happy with them. We just have to be better play-wise. You know, we got to execute better. It's always a guy here and a guy there, whether it's Luke or somebody else on the offensive line or a ball outside, we miss a block here and there or somebody swims us and gets by and it makes it look worse than it is. And that's a different guy every play. You know, we gotta be more detailed as coaches. We gotta be more better execution-wise as players. It's a group effort. Uh, we gotta change some things from a offensive scheme standpoint, we'll do that. We have to do something from a player standpoint, we'll take a look at that as well. So we're trying to find the best solution, how we can get better in those areas. Josh, I see you uh, shaking your head there. I want to get your thoughts on that, but we'll play the second video here. This is uh, this is Scott asking Todd Bowles about uh, how much he's considering Brandon Walton and Nick Leverett, who we talked about Brandon earlier. Walton, putting somebody in there that can maybe provide a little bit of a spark at that position and maybe allow him to take a breather and and and, and maybe see things from the sidelines. To help we look at that every week with everybody, not just Luke. Uh, I think. He's not going to face any less competition. They're going to be Pro Bowlers every week. So it's not just going to be four weeks. It's going to be 16 weeks. And he understands that, the things he's getting better at. We see the improvement. Can he get a lot better? Yes, he can get a lot better. But we're happy with the things that he's doing. He's given up a few plays here and there, but I wouldn't single him out to be replaced, so to speak. There are other guys that we know can play and do certain things. And we look at that every week where we find people to put in the game plan on all sides of the ball. So we'll try to keep looking at that and we'll try to monitor that and we'll plug in where needed, but we got to help him a little bit too. Has he made mistakes? Yeah, but we're going to play him anyway. Josh, uh, please let us know why you're, uh, you were shaking your head so emphatically during yeah. uh, these videos. I take issue with both of his answers. The first one, Okay, if you're going to say it's a different guy every play, let's be honest. It's Luke, and then it's a different guy, and then it's Luke, and then it's a different guy, and then it's Luke, <laughs> and then it's a different guy. And when you add all of that up, 50% of the time, it's Luke. And every other guy on that team, you know, it's 0% Tristan Quirfs, it's 50% Luke, and then the other 50% maybe divided up between Shaq Mason, Robert Hainsey, and uh, and donovan smith so you can say it's a different guy every every other play to try and save this dude but every other play it's him um and then with his second one like all right if you want to take the pro bowl in if you want to say he's facing a pro bowler every week then you're really taking the context of the pro bowl like all these guys in the super bowl they're not allowed to play the pro bowl so then you've got other guys who are invited who weren't really pro bowlers but then some right. of them opt out for medical reasons so then you got more and everyone's a pro bowler yeah exactly Everyone. yeah <laughs> half the league is now a pro bowler but yeah. he's not going to face a pro bowler every week he's not going right. to face an all pro every week he has had a rough stretch but as we kind of talked about at the top here it should get a little bit better over these next five weeks than it was the first six weeks. Yeah. Although you do have an Aaron Donald right in the middle there, which is yeah. who buddy. So yeah, I take issue with both of his answers. Like I get it. You know, if I'm, if I'm playing for bowls, like I love those answers because you know, he's going to address this behind the scenes. He's not going to air the laundry out in, in the media, but right. from a media perspective, that's BS. Yeah. 
Um, That's it, where you kind of miss it, Bruce Arians because Bruce would be like, yeah, this guy's played terrible. Like he needs to play better. But, uh, <laughs> you know, a little different philosophy. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I tell you, speaking of Bruce Arians, right. And, and there's, you know, I, I've entertained the thought, right, of, of, you know, who's the best play caller at one buck in your place? It's it's by it's Byron Leftwich. No, it's not. It's Bruce Arians. Nope. Bruce Arians is the guy and he's retired. And my whole thing is, is um, I, if I'm Todd Bowles, right. Um, I'm not loyal to every single coach on this staff, maybe the same way that Bruce Arians is Bruce Arians, kind of a father figure who coached Todd Bowles back in college. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And he coached Byron Leftwich in Pittsburgh. So the, the, the connections, between Bruce Arians and his coaches are deeper than they are with, with Todd Bowles in these coaches. And I don't think that there is the brotherhood family aspect, the, the, the utmost loyalty where Bruce is just not going to fire any of his assistants because they're like family. I don't think that's the case with Todd Bowles, nor should it be. If someone's not doing their job, they need to go. And and I, I'm I'm just of the opinion now more than ever that Byron Leftwich is overrated, and that he's being exposed, and that Byron Leftwich is is really benefiting from the likes of having three Pro Bowl offensive linemen during the last couple of years: Marpet, Jensen, Wirfs, a Hall of Fame quarterback, a Hall of Fame tight end, and Gronkowski, a Hall of Fame wide receiver, and Mike Evans. A, a, a Hall of Fame caliber player, right? In Antonio Brown, even though he's a jackass, and then a thousand yard, twenty million dollar wide receiver in Chris Godwin, right? Now he has half of that grouping, yeah. right? And and all of a sudden the points drop by from thirty points per game to twenty points per game because he doesn't have all of the toys to play with. Now he's got half of that, and and the product is not nearly as good. And so I think to compensate for the lack of talent, that's where the play calling, the scheming comes into play. And instead, we're getting predictability, lack of imagination, lack of creativity. And, and it's it's kind of easy to see when you see some, like a team like Kansas City, right? Who didn't even have Tyreek Hill anymore, right? Right. And Travis Kelsey still scores five touchdowns a game in primetime and things yes. like that. You know, like they And yet you can only get Mike Evans the ball four times? Come on. And you it's, know it's, the ball is Travis Kelsey. You know, it is negligent. Because, you know, like Juju Smith-Schuster <laughs> was talented a couple of years ago. He's not the same receiver he once right. was. That's clearly a downgrade from Tyree Hill. And Martez, about the Scantling, you know, it's the same thing. USF, USF alum, yeah. you know. Like, these are complete drop-offs from what Kansas City had. And yet, Travis Kelsey is still dominating the game. It's the same yeah. thing for the Bucks with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I don't understand, especially for Mike Evans in that last game. I don't understand well, why they couldn't get him the ball more. Uh, I think I think that's scheme in general, not necessarily play calling. So you know, a lot of things with this this Arian scheme, like it or love it, sets Mike up on a single side um, in terms of like a three by one. So you got three offensive weapons to the right, and then Evans to the left, and the play call is almost always designed for one of the three the guys on the three side, right? And the mm -hmm. only way Mike would get the ball is if Brady walks up to the line, likes what he likes, uh, likes what he sees pre-snap yeah. on Evans' side, and then he checks to, okay, Evans is going to be my, my one on this. And so that makes it very easy for a defense, if you stick to those roles, makes it very easy for a defense to roll coverage that way, make it to something where Brady doesn't like it, and so he's going away from Evans. So you can, as a defense, take Mike Evans out of the game plan quite a bit unless there's an adjustment and you start running Mike Evans on, on the scheme side, right? Where you put him over in, you know, some of those three sets. And that's what I'd like to see. You know, if, if this is going to be the scheme, but we've got to get Mike Evans the ball, you got to take him out of the X and you got to put him into some other roles. I'm not saying every single play, but... Imagine Scotty on that one side, and then you've got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin set up on on the the scheme side. Yep. Now you, you're you're putting that defense into a lot more of a predicament. Okay, yep. 
because you can either roll that coverage back over to the scheme side. Now you've got Scotty Miller one-on-one. He can try and do what he does best. Or you've got to contend with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin on the same side of the field. And some yeah. of the biggest plays that the Bucks hit were with Evans and Godwin on the same side. Yeah. So that, that's where and I think some of those adjustments need to be made. Well, yeah, and you say adjustments. That's That was going to be my next point is, is I, I haven't seen anything when something doesn't work. Right. And, and it's obvious it's not working. Right. Usually it's a three and out, you know, or, or the drive stalls after you know getting one first down, et cetera, et cetera. Or you're trying to, to run the ball and you just can't. You're banging. You're wasting downs, essentially. I don't see anything wildly different. I don't see the pendulum swinging in an obvious adjustment type fashion. They're doing they're zigging. So we're going to zag. I don't see the zag. Right. Uh, when when the defense is zigging, I think they're just zigging right along with the defense. And and therefore, it makes every single play. And Brady kind of alluded to this, too. He said every play was a challenge. There's nothing easy. Right. And 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 that's what I'm saying when it comes to the lack of, of, of adjustments. Right. A lack of whether it's second half adjustments or adjusting on the fly. Uh, I, I just don't see anything. It's, it's like the Bucks are just going to do what they're going to do and hope it works. And and I and the other thing is the plays that do work. I, I know that Bruce Arians has this mantra of, well, you can't call the same play twice because right. defenses are too smart. That's bullshit. It, it's bullshit. I mean, they it's do like, it in the run game. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course they do. They do it too much in the yeah. run game. But my thing is, is is try it again. Let's see if the defense can stop you before you just give up. Hey, that's a twenty yard gain to Evans. Okay, well, let's not go back to that play. It worked before you, you fooled them or you, you had a successful play for some reason, right? Try it again. I'm not saying on the next play, but go back to it. See if that still works. Just do it from a different alignment or formation. Yes. Yes. As you said, you know, it, it hasn't been easy to gain a yard for, you know, the box offense. Things have not come easy this season. You especially saw it on Sunday, but if you're having a Pirate Republic beer, you're living pretty easy. And, of course, Pirate Republic is the official beer of PewterReport.com. They're based at the Nassau Bahamas, and they are now invading Florida just in time for football season. And beer brings people together to celebrate life. That means celebrating life in the spirit of the original Pirate Code, which, of course, is a sense of belonging. Pirate Republic is a community of people living life on their terms. The Long John Pilsner is perfect for tailgating or having fun at the beach in the Florida sun. Personally, it's my favorite out of the group. The Take No Quarter is the best IPA you'll drink. Or you could drop an orange slice in the golden haze of piracy Belgian wit beer and enjoy that pirate life. Pirate Public Beer is available at participating retailers like Total Wine and more, Lucan's Liquors, Party Liquors, and select ABC liquor stores in the greater Tampa Bay area and is expanding across the state of Florida. I go to ABC Liquor when I pick up my Pirate Republic. Live life on your terms and drink like a pirate with Pirate Republic beer. You see all three uh, cans on the screen there. The Long John Pilsner in red, the Take No Quarter IPA in green, and the Golden Haze of Piracy Belgian Wit in the yellow. All fantastic flavors. Make sure you check them out soon. Pirate Republic. Act like a pirate. JC is going to be up and I'm meeting him in Charlotte this weekend. And I'm hoping he can find a way to bring me some pirate Republic beer or make it a weekend. Yeah, We'll make that happen. Yeah. We'll make that happen. The thing is, I'm not even an IPA guy. I don't like IPAs. I don't like the hoppiness, but the take no quarter IPA I've actually out. I've got to get some more pirate Republic, but I'm actually jonesing for that. I've never wanted an IPA before, but I I've really grown a uh, fond of that one. I don't really like IPAs. I, I've, I've kind of like tried it, you know, and I'm like, okay, maybe I like IPAs now. No, I don't. I just like that one. <laughs> Take the quarter IPA. It's really good. But I'm, I'm jonesing for that. All I've got is uh, these empty uh, uh, Long John Pilsners that I was having last night during my meltdown in this podcast. So. <laughs> you kept it. You kept it together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks to the alcohol content of yeah. Pirate Republic. Four point five percent of Melanus. <laughs> Let's get to um, a couple more of the comments by uh, Todd Bowles today uh, when speaking to him. He did have an update on Cam Brate, which is good. Um, well, I mean, he has a sprained neck, which is not good. But in, in yeah. the, the grand scheme of could things, could have been worse. Could have been way worse. Um, 
He has all his extremities, which is good. There's no uh, neurological issues with him, which is really important. Um, Bowles had a really good answer, or I, I, I thought it was good. He was asked about how does this team get better at situational football? You know, struggled in short yardage. We talked about that. The defense couldn't get off the field on third down. Uh, they struggled in the red zone. So I'll just read off what Bowles said here. He said, uh, I think we take them one at a time. Red zone, we get down there. We had the ball down there several times. Neither we get a full start or we get a penalty that pushes us back or we miss a route here and there or we miss a block here and there. Like I said, it's different guys. It's the freakiest thing uh, that we do in practice. It doesn't matter if it doesn't carry over into Sunday. Short yard is another topic we got better at offensively, especially we got to find a way to get one yard. He said that before, so it's very frustrating. It's a trending theme. Uh, we got to understand what we're doing to get one yard. Then it becomes a toughness thing to get that yard. Defensively, third and longs have got to stop because you know where the ball is going. We understand what's coming, and we did not make plays to get off the field to give the offense a chance to get the ball back and win the ball game. These are things we practice every day. We'll continue to practice. We harp on them. We stress them. We actually did well during the week. We did not do well during the games. It's got to transfer over. I think we need to change as coaches. We have to change and not be big-headed enough to change defensively, offensively, or special teams. Player-wise, they have to understand that. They have to get better at it and execute. I like the line you said about like being big-headed, not being too big-headed, because yeah. that kind of goes into the fantasy land thing that he talks about that people yeah. just kind of expect, oh, well, we won the Super Bowl, so if we just show up on Sunday, uh, we should go out there and win. Thought it was um, I don't know. I like that quote by him. That's really all I gotta say. Yeah, I like it. I like this comment by uh, Harvinder here. Uh, was there anything positive about this game apart from it being over and Brady not getting injured? Yes. Um, Ryan Suckup MVP. Ryan Suckup. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I'm at, at the risk of having Bucks, the Bucks fandom get mad at me. Uh-oh. I saw some creativity from Byron Leftwich. On the second, I want to say it was the second drive of the game. I think it's where they ended up with a field goal. Um, I saw some creativity in the run game. So some double pulls so out of pistol and some 20 personnel. Yep. There was a little bit of an evolution in the Bucks run game. And the Bucks run game was a little bit better than it had been over the previous few weeks. So I will say that that's a positive. And if they know where to put those runs in and when to call those runs, that added creativity can create some better layers that can help this offense finally get off the schneid. So I would say that that was a positive that came out of the game. So, And the continued development of Kate Otten. That was a hell of a catch by Otten. And you know what? That, that, that was a tight window throw. I thought the most telling thing about that play was twofold. Number one that Brady has enough confidence in Otten to actually take that shot because that defender was draped all over Otten. It, you could not have had better ball placement from Brady on that throw. It was absolutely amazing. And for Otten, who's a big dude, to go down there and make that that dirty, grimy catch right there on the ground, that that was something, right? That, that's that, that's a, a great observation by you, Josh, because – because Otten, I thought, I'd like to see more of that. I think he's capable of more of that. Uh, it's just the plays are so few and far between, right? We There was that 20-yard pass to Mike Evans, right? There was the 28-yard pass to Chris Godwin. There was the 17-yard pass to Kate Otten. But, like, there should be one of those plays on every drive, right? Yeah. And w- and, and strung w- together. A few that's of what I'm saying. Yeah. Yes, that's what I'm saying. It's it's like where are those plays? The Bucks used to do that all the time. I remember because I would be doing our like Twitter as the game's going on. It's like 15 yeah. yard reception to Chris Godwin, 35 yard reception to Mike Evans, 15 yard throw to Leonard Fournette, first and goal for the five yard line touchdown. I'm not even done tweeting out like the first reception that Chris <laughs> right. Godwin made. That yeah. was on like a regular basis. Yes, you know, yeah. but we haven't seen that this year. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't want to be one of those guys that, that says, okay, well, you know, fire left, which, you know, and, and then not come up with I think a it's solution. early for that. I think it's early for that too. But I, I guess what, what my premonition is, is I don't think the offense is going to get any better. I, I just don't, I don't think it's going to get better. I think that it's going to be a struggle to score 20 points per game 
most weeks, and I don't see it getting better. And, and I think Leftwich is, is kind of full of it when he says stuff like, I see guys, or I see things you guys don't see, little improvements, you know, here and there. And I'm, I don't see it. I mean, it, it's cer certainly not showing up on Sunday. Maybe that was the most telling thing that Bowles said was, we're having really good practices, but it's not carrying over to the game. And honestly, you don't get any points in practice. They don't count, right? And I've, I've talked to plenty of coaches and been in plenty of press conferences where the team has shit practices all week and then shows up and just lights it up. And you, know, you ask the coach, whether it was Cutter, whether it was Raheem, whether it was Arians, whatever, you know, wow, did you see this coming, coach? No, actually, we, we practiced like crap this week. I didn't see it coming, you know. And then, then you have those things where, you know, they get blown out or they don't perform well, whatever. You know, coach, did you see this coming to practice? I, no, we had great practices all week. I did not see this coming. So for whatever reason, it's not translating to Sunday. And that's really hard to kind of put your, your finger on because that is coaching. It is also the players. I agree with Lenny Williams here. The offense doesn't scheme guys open. I I, I do agree with that. It's it's hard for guys to get open and win one-on-ones in, uh, in, in this, this offense. And I think that's... That's part of the problem. But again, back to my point, uh, you know, Kevin Garver, wide receivers coach. I'm I'm going to say if if Leftwich is gone at some point this season, he's the most logical guy. Arians has, has thought highly of him. The other guy that Arians has talked about in the past uh, is, is Thaddeus Lewis, the assistant receivers coach. I think Garver probably gets a first crack at it, uh, you know, before him. But I, I'm just convinced to the point where remember when Johnny Mazel Mazel got got the the Heisman, right? And then everyone was kind of thinking, well, was it really Manziel or was it was Mike, it Mike Evans? Mike. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like who made who? And quickly in the NFL, we found out it was Mike Evans that made Johnny Manziel. Quickly, right. we like that was that was debunked, and we we figured that out. It's it's not the X's and O's; it's the Jimmys and the Joes. That, that have made this a 30-point-per-offense uh, type situation. And, and I think Bruce Arians could do a better job calling plays because he's got way more experience at it, way more success at it, way more years doing it. But I, I don't see the, the uh, ingenuity, the creativity, the imagination, the adjustments from Byron Leftwich that gives me a lot of hope that it's not going to get better. I think the only, the only way this thing gets better is if Julio Jones gets healthy and becomes a factor – and helps the passing been. game. Wait, I'm just saying, if yeah, and yeah. if Ryan Jensen comes back, now you have an option. Maybe you move Hainsey to left guard, and you play him over Luke Gedeke. Outside of those two things happening, or some kind of unforeseen trade, I just don't know that it gets better this year. I'm going to take the other side of that, Scott. Please. I think that it will get better. Um, if we've if we've seen over the last couple of years. There's a very specific time frame we can point to where the offense seems to kick it into gear, and that's typically after a bye week when they self-scout, even though they say they don't self-scout or they're constantly self-scouting, yeah. but they come out of a bye, and all of a sudden the points go up. So um, the Bucks kind of have two opportunities for that. So they've got a Thursday night game against Baltimore, yeah. and then you've got a mini-bye, which is – Probably a good thing considering their next opponent after that is the Rams who have had their number quite a bit. Yep. And then after the Rams, they go to Germany and they battle the surprisingly decent Seattle Seahawks. The fighting Geno Smiths. Exactly. And then there's a bye week after that. So I think those prove to be a couple of opportunities where they can do the thing they claim to do every week, but don't seem to ever adjust off of. Yeah. And, uh, and they can get, the ship righted so they're getting close josh they're getting close yeah <laughs> that's what they keep telling us they're getting close well slowly slowly but surely uh for sure it's, uh, yeah. you know you're saying you just you don't feel good uh, about this offense but you physically have felt pretty good once you started taking yes. age rejuvenation. As we so. age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women. I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to age rejuvenation because I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. Got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with age rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call age rejuvenation today.
I don't believe that lady. I don't believe that she actually likes shopping now. I think she's always liked shopping. I just think she has more energy. She can go for maybe five hours at the mall rather than four. Yeah. But I, I think I think that see that that's the difference. That's the age rejuvenation difference. Whether you get an extra hour in the mall when you're older. Listen, guys, if you want to feel better, good age rejuvenation, lose weight, feel great, have better sex. You might have seen age rejuvenation as the new sponsor for my SR's Fab Five column on PewterReport.com, and they're also the presenting sponsor of the Celsius Pewter Tailgate Show live every week at Walk-Ons. Well, I'm an, a new age rejuvenation customer myself, just like John Gilmore, former Bucks tight end. Thankfully, I don't have any issues in the bedroom, but I turned 40 this year back in April and energy became a problem. Actually, it didn't even happen when I was 50. I've been feeling this downward slope for years now, probably since I was about 45. It turns out I have low testosterone and I'm just like most men in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. It just happens naturally, fellas. The testosterone naturally decreases as we get older. Low testosterone can affect everything from weight loss. I'm actually down a couple pounds now because I've got more testosterone and my metabolism is higher to energy. And I don't have to have that second Celsius every day. But now there's a way to fight it. And that's what I did with the testosterone therapy at Age Rejuvenation. I have more energy. Visit agerejuvenation.com. Sign up for that free hormone uh, consultation where they'll, they'll do a blood panel and you can have a consultation and see what levels you have and see if age rejuvenation can help you. I bet I bet you they can. There's, there's five uh, Tampa Bay area locations to serve you. Lose weight, feel great with age rejuvenation. Don't wait. Do it now. Before we get out of here, Josh, since we have you on the show, we got to bring it up. I was fighting for our guy, Jalen Darden, on the game day stream. And then he went and then he went out and just everything went to crap in, in the return game. Um, yeah. Do you have any more optimism or should the Bucks move on from Darden as a returner? You know, like um, maybe throw in Tompkins or Geiger or Scotty. If, if they're going to give Gedeke six games, I think Darden can have one bad one. You know, I think everybody has a bad game. He's had five solid, two better games, and he's had one bad game. There are very few players who can go a full 17 game season and have a good, you know, have good games every single game. So I'm willing to give him a bad game. Um, you know, it, we, you and I have, bec you know, gotten into this special teams kind of uh, conversation quite a bit. And somehow I've turned into a special teams aficionado. So I think the yeah. the more we, likely guy that we need. I mean, to you created your own punting staff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you've got a punter fetish, Josh. <laughs> I do. And unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, the Bucks have a substandard. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, muse at least to start the season. Like yep. Marta had yet again, another just not great game. So yep. yeah, fourth round draft pick, that's a high investment for that position. Yep. And they, and I, to like add, it seems like everything about the bucks this year, it's kind of like insult to injury. Yep. Um, it Bradley pinions having a fantastic season. Yep. So yep. <laughs> go figure there. Exactly. We appreciate all the super chats we got last night and also today. Craig uh, Kurtzman with a four ninety nine super chat. Thank you. If Thank Marcus you, Arroyo, former Bucks offensive coordinator back of the day, can call a fade to Mike Evans, why can't Byron Leftwich? Also, the defense when money is on the line just folds. Now Jake Camarada is a wasted pick with his numbers. So, yeah, hard to argue that point. I, I listen to me. Mike Evans and Tom Brady have a special connection. And when they get down to the red zone, when Byron Leftwich doesn't dial up at least one fade to Mike, um, that's that's criminal negligence to me because it's a play that usually works. It's worth trying. And and uh, uh, listen, you know Suckup's money, he's going to get you three. And you know Brady's not going to put the ball in harm's way. Tom Brady is one of the best red zone throwers because he doesn't throw interceptions. So why not trust the Brady to Evans fade in the end zone? It's baffling. It's just baffling. Yeah, in general, really I don't really like the fade pass. But if you have – if it's Tom Brady and Mike Evans, then yes, do the fade pass. Or if you have a, one of the best receivers in the game, 
go for it. In general, I don't like it. For the Bucks, it's worked. It's proven it's worked. So, right. yeah. And, and the statistics back you up, Matt. That's the thing is yeah. statistically a goal line fade is a low percentage. Um, Mina Kimes hates it. I think, yeah, I think it, Mina well, Kimes. And, she, and she's, all, she's all about the stats on that type of stuff. And, and all, all of the stats point to across the NFL, it's a bad play, except Tom Brady to Mike Evans, where right. it, it works, I think, like 63% of the time, which is like yeah. – 25% better than the rest of the league, which is amazing. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. Scott. That is a special connection on that particular play. Yeah. Well, we appreciate all the special Bucks fans who have, have hung in there with this team over the last 24 hours. Last night's Peter Report uh, postgame podcast and also today's. It was fun doing roll call. We, uh, let's see, I saw Netherlands, Canada, um, Australia. There was a couple of other cool countries too. We love the Florida folks too. Uh, Scott Somebody City, from your neck of the way. Yeah, Scott yeah. City, Kansas, Leewood, Kansas, some some uh, Midwesterners out there. So that was fun to see. But uh, we're going to be back with more fun on Wednesday. I, I really think today's show was the best podcast we've ever done. Josh, I think you contributed a lot to that. So hats Appreciate off to you. Uh, we're going to try to top it on Wednesday. We're going to have our our Bucks versus Panthers preview. Um, by God, what's left of the Panthers? Win. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, we said the same thing with the Steelers in their banged up secondary, right? So you can't yeah. overlook the, the, the scrappy Panthers. Uh, but uh, we'll be back on Wednesday with another edition of the Peter Report podcast. So for Matt Matera and Josh Capo, I'm Scott Reynolds saying thanks for watching another episode of the Peter Report podcast.